new drive with Goodman and Fry. Presented by Silterhar Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silterhar Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome Afternoon Drive. Goodman Fry, our maiden voyage on Mile High Sports Radio. If you want to reach us, you could do so on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed, at T Fry, at Eric Goodman. In the meantime, before we get this thing rocking and rolling, I want to tell you about Optimum Golf. We're going to give away 100 bucks in the second hour of the show. Golf season is here. You can upfit your game with custom-fit, custom-built clubs from Optimum Golf in Park Hill or in Rhino. Uh, you can also take lessons from their award-winning pros if you're not ready to hit the course yet, even if you are. Uh, lessons certainly not going to hurt. And, of course, they have indoor bays. I've been to both locations in Park Hill, also in Rhino. Uh, you can play course from all over the world. You can really work on your game. Book your tee time today at theoptimumgolf.com. Don't forget, Hundred bucks in your pocket. Second hour of the show, Terry. You and I have done more than a few shows together. This is our maiden voyage for the show, but you and I have done more than a few shows when you have filled in. Quite a few, and we I've enjoyed it, and you've enjoyed it. I would like to think, or not, not, partic- not particularly. Oh, okay. No, not really. All right, I'll see you yeah. later. Yeah, okay. It's been fun. It's been fun. <laughs> yes, it has been. So, um, the biggest thing is: uh, is your wife more excited for you to do the show? You're doing a full-time show, or is she more happy to get you out of the house? I think it's a little bit of each. Yeah. She's my, uh, the brains behind me when I speak of sports knowledge, because she knows more about sports than I do. Helen does. Well, why don't we have her on the show? Why don't we just call it well, Goodman, we could have Goodman and Helen Fry? Or Goodman, Fry, and Fry. Fry and Fry? Is she listening right now? Oh, yeah. I'm sure she is. Hi, Helen. Are you going to get a... Uh, are you going to get a full report with detailed notes when you get home? We'll see if I get a text here. You probably will. I mean, the fact that we're talking about her. I mean, you know, you gave me uh, you gave me homework assignments. I did. I uh, I came through on one of them. You asked me about which song the Avalanche fans sang at the games. Right. We talked about that. It's last all the week. small things. It doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense. The, the the lyrics don't add up. It's a parody of of the guy groups. Is that what it's all yeah. about? Is that what it's all yeah, about? Yeah, if you watch the video of it, it's a parody of the it's a parody of the Backstreet Boys and that kind of thing. Hmm. Okay. Cuz I would think it would have some meaning about wanting to win and working hard and but accomplishing I, a goal. I have a newsflash for you. It caught on considerably with the Avalanche fans obviously. But yeah. They are not the only team using it. Not the only fan base using it. Oh, is that right? Yeah, it's it's elsewhere too. Huh. But that's that doesn't make it any less. You know, Rock and Roll Part 2 was used as an anthem, celebra- celebratory anthem, right. throughout all of sports for a long, long time until G- Gary Glitter's problems kind of overrid. I'm still wondering who let the dogs out, because that question <laughs> clearly has not been answered. Time now for the lead. The lead, presented by Sasquatch Casino and Blackhawk. By reading Twitter over the weekend, Avs fans getting very impatient, wringing their hands, all upset. The NHL didn't announce the conference semifinals until late last night. Now, it's understandable that fans of other teams who's, who did not sweep weren't, you know, all anxious to find out when they played, right? Yes. Blues, though, closed out the wild on Thursday, so the Avs are waiting. Even Jared Bednar at his press conference sounded like he was like, 
come on, let's let's make an announcement when we are playing. Can you understand why the league waited so late, or do you think they could have done it sooner? I got a newsflash, and it had to do with television. Yeah, right, right. You know, that's a, that's a, uh, a very new concept, but it, television was making a call. If you look at it now, the Avalanche, the Avalanche series is on TNT all the way through. Right. The uh, Edmonton Calgary series is on ESPN all the way through. So it right. really depended on what whether the what ESPN wanted a game on Tuesday or Wednesday. TNT wanted a game on Wednesday. So it really depended on the call of the television networks. But the other problem was if Dallas, right. the Dallas Mavericks had gotten through with the Dallas Stars, the Dallas Mavericks did. But the right. star, if the Stars had gotten through also, they would have had games three and four in each of those series kind of at the same time. So there would have been a jostling that had to be done to work those in too. So the, the Dallas situation with the Stars and Mavericks, with, with, with the Mavs with the Mavs getting through and the Stars possibly getting through until they threw the overtime last night, that was the holdup. It was a combination of, of TNT and ESPN's call on what games they wanted. I don't know if somebody has the first choice or not, but it was the combination of that with the uh, overtime of uh with the overtime game last night. okay so tomorrow night they're gonna play it's gonna be an eight-day break and that sounds vaguely familiar for those here in colorado at least we're here back in 2007 because the rockies had an eight-game break i don't think really there is any similarity between the the two teams when it comes to the break for this reason one the rockies were about a 500 team when they finally took off mid-September. The Avs have been terrific the entire season. So anybody that tries to make that parallel, please stop. All of what all of what the Rockies did was purely aberrational. Was it was. A, it was a miracle. You right. know, you, you hear so many things blown out of proportion. Uh, unbelievable. Right. Or that kind of comparison. In this case, it was purely aberrational. It was the darndest thing I ever saw in sports. It's hard to replicate, even convince people of what it was like. It was just the darndest thing I've ever seen or heard. This is a different situation with the Avalanche having setting a franchise record for points in a season for having been on a high for most of the season with a couple of down spots. It's completely different. And I don't think I can see how the Rockies lost momentum from a purely aberrational. You got to see it to believe it type of situation right. with the Avalanche. Now uh, the, the, the layoff won't hurt them at all. Just to use an analogy and, and you will find out soon enough that I'm all about the analogies. The Rockies were a, were a freight train that was not powered by coal or gas or anything else. What were they powered by? They were powered by momentum going downhill on a track. There was no gas, nothing. But eventually when they hit that eight-day layoff, the track evened out. Yeah. It became flat, and eventually they just stopped. For the avalanche, they are coal driven gas driven electric driven and that thing is going to keep on going whether it's going uphill downhill or it's just a straight line but it's also important to remember they were the red Sox. that was a really good really good team and they lost 13 to 1 i was there i was at fenway for that opener and that thing was just awful the other thing is the red Sox were a professional hitting team they knew exactly how to attack every single rockies pitcher whether it was francis or cook they waited on pitches the the, if they would have played the Red Sox four days later, I'm not saying I would have liked their chances to win a World Series, yeah. but I would have liked their chances certainly a little bit more. Now, I want to get into something else. Matt Duchesne, he was booed lustfully 
by Avalanche fans. Of course, he plays for Nashville. And he's a guy who wanted out. He made no bones about it. He wanted out. Ryan O'Reilly got daddy involved in the situation, (laughs) right? And there was a contract dispute, but he wanted out as well. But then again, he wanted to be paid top dollar. Matt Duchesne was all about pride, competitiveness, respect, quote, respect, unquote. The guy didn't play hard every night. But he had, he got 30 goals and Patrick Watts said, big whoop. And so Pat, uh, Matt Duchesne wanted to be the first line center. He wanted to be the star of the team. He Correct. thought he should be the first line center. And he then here comes he Nathan the McKinnon, right? He's about eight, he sits about eight feet apart from Nathan McKinnon in the Avalanche practice locker room. And he was, uh, he was seeing Nathan McKinnon emerging as a superstar at that time. He did not cross the Rubicon because, because Matt Duchesne was traded. He was getting there anyway, and it was an inevitable case of, Matt, of, uh, of Nathan McKinnon becoming that generational-type player. And see, it was coming. So but I think the interesting thing now, in, in Ryan O'Reilly's case, it was with his father piping in saying, yep. citing analytics and everything else, and right. his contributions are immeasurable in a lot of cases, which is absolutely true. I mean, you look at him now, Ryan O'Reilly is one of nine guys who scored 20 or more goals on the Blues, and he had 21. He's not a big scorer. He's just a great player. He, he's, you know who he reminds me of? He reminds me of a guy that I used to cover with the Buffalo Sabres, a guy by the name of Michael Pekka, mm-hmm. a terrific two-way player, a Selkie Award winner. Ryan O'Reilly is not going to score 40 goals for you, but he does, here we go, all the little things, all the little things, right? Does all the little <laughs> things that, is and those little things, and you'll find out, uh, Nolan, who runs our board here, he's a big St. Louis Blues fan. He knows as well as anyone. Ryan O'Reilly is a huge reason why the Blues won the Cup. But here's the difference between crybaby Matt Duchesne, who has a bad game and doesn't say, well, I need to do better in the next game. His attitude was, well, it was just a bad game, and maybe I'll do better. Maybe I'll do better the next game. I don't think he had that drive. But here's the other. Bit. I do, but I thought it was, I think it was very ego, very egoistic and and egocentric. It was all about Matt Duchesne. That's right. He had a drive. He played hard, in my opinion. He played hard. And, and, no, I he mean, played hard. He also has taken some criticism for his dealings with the media. He could be very, he could be very pouty in some ways. I don't have a problem with the media. I never had a, pro- I I never had a problem either. with him. No, he's yeah. right. But you know the differences between Matt Duchesne. And oh, by the way, who wanted to be the captain of the team? Yes. And Gabriel Landeskog. Gabriel Landeskog is on the second line <laughs> for this upcoming series. He was on the second line for the Nashville series because he knows that's what's best for the team is right now. Right now. I right think, now. I think they need to be flexible and open minded on returning Gabe. They might. Landeskog back to the top line with McKinnon and Ranton. And, and they might very well do that. But you don't hear from Gabriel Landeskog publicly or privately pouting in Swedish or English. Right. Because by the way, by the way, his English is as good as most people's English who were born here in the United States. But you go, I've been to games in like Los Angeles, which games in Los Angeles and New York bring out for bring out press representatives like Swedish press organizations, right? Norwegian press organizations, that kind of thing. I've seen them interviewing Gabe in the locker room in New York or Los Angeles, especially. And you do a double take. Like, right. wait a minute, I forgot he was Swedish. Right, right. 
So that's what Landis Gog brings. That's why he's the captain of the team, because he's willing to be a moving part wherever Jared Bednar is willing to move him. So now with Ryan O'Reilly, should Avs fans, would you be surprised if they booed him? It's pure. It was purely about money with, with Ryan O'Reilly, right. with his father intervening. And it turned out that he ended up getting that ridiculous contract with the Buffalo Sabres. So he won. Matt Duchesne won, too. Matt Duchesne's making $8 million a year. That's great. And what does he have to show for it? <laughs> Except the Avs got a haul in return, and that's one reason why they're challenging but, for but the look, Cup. But look, at I, I would rather tackle it this way because it rarely is done. I'm just thinking, you know, the cap era now, you can't keep everybody. You just can't. Right. They would If they had kept O'Reilly... If they had kept Duchesne, there would have been there would have been roads bridges they'd have to yeah, cross. Yeah, but in, but in hindsight, is O'Reilly worth it? Probably not. Not not seven and a half million dollars. No. Four years ago, you're saying he's not worth seven and a half million dollars? No. Oh, really? He was the captain of the Blues that won the cup, and he was the driving force behind it. He was the Ryan straw, O'Reilly. He was the straw that stirred the drink. I, I I guess I'm saying I don't think anybody in that realm was worth seven and a half million dollars, and now now he is. Uh, a proven leader. He's grown as a leader too. When he Correct. was here, he was kind of viewed as kind of like that weird little Ryan, Ryan over second round corner, pick, yeah, we'll, taking uh, doing right. yoga and staying out for an hour and a half after practice to make the media think he's some kind of rink rat. And I think he's matured into a leader. And I, I just think it'd be fascinating. What would it be like if it, there were so many offshoot trades of these uh, involved in these deals? Right. It's hard to track completely. But just simply throw out the idea of Duchesne and O'Reilly both staying here and what would have happened. Well, I'll, I'll put it this way, and we'll, we'll close it out this way. Duchesne, I, could, I, I would have driven him to the airport. <laughs> I would have. For Ryan but it was such a good story. Ryan O'Reilly is not a scorer like Rantanen. He's not a scorer like a McKinnon. I get that. He's not a scorer like Connor McDavid. But if you have to start a team and, you're, and your goal is to win the Cup, He's one of the type of guys you want on your roster. Ryan O'Reilly. Absolutely. Oh, I agree with that. Okay. And that's his value. You Like a Michael Pekka, you want him on your roster. If you're going to win a cup, you need a guy like him on your roster. It was like the first cup championship here. The most handy guy in some ways was Mike Ricci. Right. That kind of guy. Ryan O'Reilly's better. Yeah. Right. But there was also the time when they, the Avalanche had to trade Mike Ricci because they didn't want to, they didn't want to, they didn't want to pay a third-line center a million dollars. Right. All right, coming up after the break, are the Broncos about to be sold to the Walton family? We got a clue over the weekend where it could be, well, Rob Walton, the new owner of the Broncos. We'll tell you why, and we'll tell you what that clue was next. Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive, Goodman Fry, Mile High Sports Radio. Watch us, milehighsports.com. You can reach us. 
Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver. Excuse me, at T Fry. That's number one. That's number one. I think we talked about it, Terry. The over under was five and a half, but that was just for the intro of the show. It it's just ingrained. When Mace was here, I would say at Les Shapiro. Too many times to count, right? It's it's a rhythm that I just need to get out of. So. You'll get into the new routine. I will. Okay. Listen, I'm rusty. What can I tell you? I'm rusty. Not the rusty from vacation, but I'm rusty. So Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at T Fry at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, not retail, but wholesale, go to RMFP.com. Nick Papa Giorgio. Papa Giorgio, nice reference. From vacation. Well, real quick, so Mace liked to uh, quote The Simpsons a lot and Seinfeld. Are you going to be quoting shows? Do I, I need to be aware of something? Mace and I also had a show in common, uh, yeah. Becker. We both liked Becker. Never saw it. Oh, it's great. Ted Danson was terrific. Well, if, you, if you're quoting Becker, I can promise you I won't know any of it. Okay. And by the way, never really watched The Simpsons, watched a lot of Seinfeld, so I got all those references. So if you want to quote Becker, knock yourself out. I'll just look at you like you have that 10 heads. That was one smart loogie. See, there we go. I have no idea what you're talking about. Time now for the lead. The Buzz is presented by Mighty Plumbing and Heating. Why does Mighty Plumbing and Heating have over 600 five-star reviews? No one has better service, and they will meet or beat any written offer. Go to MightyPH.com. Well, over the years that uh, Pat Bowen owned the team, we got to know his family. We got to know Annabelle and got to know, um, let's see, we got to know Brittany. We got to know Beth. And, of course, through social media, we got to know Johnny. And that was a real (laughs) pleasure. Uh, If Rob Walton winds up buying the team, we're going to get to know his family as well. We know that um, he is related. I believe they are cousins to Stan Kroenke's wife if I am not mistaken. But now we are hearing the name Ben Walton. If if Rob Walton buys the team, he's 77 years old, it would make sense to have kind of a line of succession already in place so the, NH- the NFL knows they won't have to go through this again. Right. So who is Ben Walton? Well, Ben Walton's a pretty wealthy guy. He is the son of Rob Walton. Uh, he and his wife, uh, according to the Denver Post, have bought separate lots in Cherry Hills Village for over... million that make up nearly eight acres. Now, before you jump on it and say, well, clearly Rob Walton's buying the team. Um, Rob Walton's buying the team. Clearly. I think he is too, but, but something to consider here before we, before we connect a with B and say, okay, this is happening. Ben and his wife already own a home in Hilltop. Mm -hmm. Their business is out of Denver. Yes. It's out of Denver. So it's not like they're coming here for the first time. So, with that, do you think this is a coincidence, or being, do you think this is about to be done? Being a part of the family that owns the Broncos has to be a uh, positive attribute in any business, including Ben's. So, I, I would throw that out first. And we all, we all know the possible fly in the ointment is as ridiculous as it sounds. Somebody, they, they are contractually or legally bound to take the highest offer. Right. But I don't think anybody's going to out, outbid Rob Walton. No. With his family resources behind him. Uh, he's like the 16th richest man in, in the, on the planet. Right. And so I think if he wants the team, it's going to be his. Well, it's really that simple. Uh, you may or may not know I'm a benefit auctioneer, and when I do live auctions for charity events, it goes to the highest bidder. The difference is, in this case, it's best and final. It's not going to be an auction. Nobody's raising a paddle. Best and final, that's the way it's going to work. Do you ever miss picking out the wrong paddle? 
I haven't yet. Okay. Not yet. I don't but thanks the, for the confidence. But I don't think the NFL will do that. No. I mean, the the way I understand it, if it goes to auction, is everybody makes a bid. In an every, envelope. Every, what's that? In an envelope or Something like that. Yeah. It, it, here, here's my bid. All these potential owner candidates have been vetted, so I don't think they're going to be turned down. So whoever's the highest bidder, <clears throat> that's the owner of the team. As, as a casual observer, just a guy on the street following all this, I think the biggest upset in all of this now is when you're throwing around that $5 billion figure is why, why, they didn't, why the Boland family didn't get together and say, this is ridiculous. Let's sell the team. Let me take my... You know the reason why. Why don't you explain it? It's because these kids just can't get along. Right. They can't get along. And then you have Johnny in the mix going on social media and being a complete tool. I I don't know why. And remember, it's two different families. He has two different wives. That money could have solved all the problems in the family. Well, yes and no. Think about this for a second, though. If you were one of the Bolins and you know you are getting a slice of $5 billion, just go buy season tickets. <laughs> go buy yourself a suite. Go do that. I mean, wouldn't you rather have the money? Or do you want to say, my father owned the Broncos, and that's all you have? Mm-hmm. I'd rather say that I have, I don't know, $700 million in the bank. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. So... You know, Beth wanted to run the team. Brittany wanted to run the team. Beth was the most qualified. Say it again. Beth was the most qualified. Well, it is my understanding she they she had to have a one of the qualifications was you have to have a higher degree. It is mm-hmm. my understanding she went to law school just to get that higher degree. Yeah. I don't know why Joe Ellis didn't like her. I have no clue. Um, she worked in the organization. Um, I don't know why Brittany was the favorite. Beth certainly was qualified, but remember, it's two different families. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the Hatfields and the McCoys. Yeah, it's Annabelle and Pat's first wife. That's right. So, you know, generally, I mean, I'm I'm getting ready to get married, and I'm very fortunate that my daughter and Mandy's daughter get along really, really well. Mm-hmm. That's not the case in a lot of families. Usually, there is a lot of tension, and then when you have ownership involved of a team, running a team, getting the glory of the team, oh. The, the knives are going to come out, and that's exactly that's exactly what happened. I don't think anybody is surprised that the team is up for sale. I'm just surprised it wasn't sooner. I'm I, I'm underscoring what all of you have said in agreeing with it, while saying that the, the money in pocket would have been so much better for the families to get rid of the ills, get rid of the arguments, get rid of the toxic nature of the relationships, simply by selling the team. They, think, I think they could have done that. Do you think that when they all sit down? And the checks are cut, and they push them across this huge conference table. Do you think suddenly they're all going to say, when are we all getting together for Thanksgiving? Because I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> Beth Boland would be the owner of the team right now if she if she wasn't a woman. The NFL and all of the ways were stacked against that. You think, you think that's the reason why? Yes, I do. And so obviously it's the same for Brittany. Yes. Well, isn't there a, isn't the owner of the the... Beth was by far the most qualified, and Beth should have been Beth should have been, been the owner in control of the team. But it's because she's a woman. It, the owner of the Saints, isn't that a female? Well, and so is the owner of the Bears, Virginia McCaskill. Well, she's not involved. It's 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 Michael, who's an idiot, 
and the rest of them. How do you feel about Michael McCaskey? He's an idiot. Why do you say that? I'm I cover the team. I cover the what team. What did he do to be an idiot? I'm just curious. He doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Tying a record previously set by Daniel Snyder and a lot of other No, NFL no, Dan, Dan, Daniel Snyder's an awful human being. Michael McCaskey is not a bad guy. He's just incompetent. And so is the rest of that family. They're absolutely incompetent when it comes to running a football franchise. Ask anybody in Chicago. Talk to anybody in the media. Once they are gone, they will have a parade down Michigan Avenue. You're, you're sitting across from a guy whose father was on the Chicago Bears coaching staff, coaching staff for three years. So. Yeah, but that was a long time yeah, ago. Yeah, it was. It was a very. And was George Hallis running the team? No. Who was running the team? The, well, the McCaskies. The McCaskies. But, but what year was it? It was. Uh, 78, 79, and 80. With all due respect to your father, the team stunk. Yes. They were awful. He, they, they had Walter Payton, and they had worked. Noah Jackson blocking for Bob Avellini, a quarterback. And Mike Phipps and Vince Evans. Believe me, I can go down the entire roster. Vince Evans, who was just good enough to get you beat. No, he, he wasn't good enough to get you beat. He wasn't good enough to win. <laughs> I mean, Vince... No, he, he, he made some... He, was a, he would make some plays that would make you think he had hope. Vince Evans, this was, and you watched a lot of Bears yeah. games. Okay, L- let me describe Vince Evans to you <laughs> in a couple of sentences. When you played baseball as a kid, right? Oh yeah. Did you ever play catch with a kid in the neighborhood? And there's always one kid in every neighborhood. No matter how far you're standing from him, he will throw the ball as hard as he can oh. at you. That was Vince Evans. He could take a screen pass, and like a Looney Tunes character, he would wind up his arm and his shoulder and throw it as hard as he could. Vince Evans was the definition of no touch on his passes. Well, would you agree that Walter Payton was the best player in NFL history? You can make that case. I could. That's, that's, yeah, that's I can I, make that case. Walter Payton could have played guard if he had to for three plays. He, Walter, was, that, he was that tough. Well, Walter, he had compact body, never stepped out of bounds, punished, punished you if you were tackling him. Well, he routinely led the team in receiving and rushing. People don't realize that. He routinely led the team doing that. But getting back to the Bolins and getting back to the Waltons, pros, cons of the Walton family owning it, got any cons? I mean, I think of a lot of pros. Well, no, they have the cronky ownership to use as an example and emulate on what to do and what not to do. And I think that would be useful. I mean, and a lot of people don't understand this, but Ann Kroenke owns the Nuggets in the Avalanche. Well, that's because it was transferred because of the NFL rules. The, the NFL rules that you couldn't own a franchise in competing market. But that's not the case anymore. It, it, but, it, but she still owns the teams in actual point of fact. She, she owns the team on paper, yes. but we know who it's, runs the it's team. It's a trust, it, yes. But in today's NFL, the rules have been changed where if Stan Kroenke bought the Rams today mm-hmm. in full, he could still be the owner mm-hmm. of the Avalanche and the Nuggets. Yeah, but without getting into the technicalities, and controls the trust that owns the Avalanche and the Nuggets. Big whoop. What does that matter? She doesn't, so, she doesn't, I've never seen her at a game. If you, if you look at she doesn't sit in on the meetings. Avalanche media guide, the Nuggets media guide, Stan Kroenke is described as the, as the CEO of Kroenke Sports, right. KSE, yeah. Kroenke Sports and Entertainment. Right, and it doesn't say though that it doesn't say well. Little little side note: Stan doesn't really own the Nuggets in the Avalanche. But it's semantics, isn't it? Well, probably. But it she doesn't go to board of governors meetings. She she's not. I don't think they call her and say, "Hey, well, Josh Kroenke's on the board of governors." That's right. That's my point. So so what what role does Ann have? I don't think. Bottom line is when they want to sign Nathan McKinnon to a big contract, 
They're not calling Ann, <laughs> are they? Because if they are, then I'll tell you she's the owner. Uh, I was in the Avalanche locker room uh, when the Avalanche had just drafted, I think it was two, 2017, when they had drafted McCarr, I think it was. They had all their draft choices in the room, and I went up to Josh Kroenke, who actually showed up, who doesn't do this often, and was available to speak. And I went up and asked him, what, what's your philosophy on, on unrestricted free agency? Because July 1st was coming right. up. He, look, he looked over at Joe Sack and he goes, my philosophy is whatever he says it is. Well, it's smart. You know why? Because smart owners delegate could, power to people who know more than they do. could Rob Walton learn from that? I don't know if he wants to. Because you know what? With the way George Payton has done his job, I wouldn't get in his way. No. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even consider it. So... You know, the, the de facto owner of the Colorado Avalanche should have left for a lot of years. You know who the de facto owner was? I don't. It was Pierre Lacroix. Right, yeah. Pierre Lacroix, they basically said, okay, look, go well, to Pierre. Well, I'm going to tell you how good Pierre Lacroix was as a president. How Just how unbelievably good he, he was. He treated the money like it was his, right. one thing. But, okay. And if you were an owner, you appreciate that. Well, I'm going to tell you, I'll tell you how, and you covered the team, so did I, but you covered them for much longer than I did. And this will sum it up because I'm going to be talking about you in this sentence. Oh. You know how great Pierre Lacroix was as a president and a GM? How many stories did you break? <laughs> and the fact that you're laughing, and I will pass it along, nothing ever got the, out of the that organization. The avalanche way was, was the cone of silence. That's right. And it was also, I, I was asked, because I've covered every sport there is, everything I know. there is. And I was asked if that offended me. I said, it doesn't offend me at all as long as it's the same for everybody. I'll, I'll put it to you like this, okay? Pierre Lacroix, his double is George Payton. Because I do, really? And I'll tell you why. Because I do not believe that if John Elway was in charge, Russell Wilson would be here. And here's the reason why. Because that story would have leaked. It would have gotten out. In and that, that six-week period. Pardon me? In that six-week period. In that six-week period, somehow, some way, that story would have gotten out. And Seattle fans would have been all upset, and the owner of the team would say, we, we, we can't do this. Mm-hmm. It was done under a cloak of silence and darkness, and it came as a surprise to everyone. Didn't it come as a big surprise suddenly Patrick was the goalie here? That's how Pierre Lacroix ran his business, and that's how oh, George uh, Payton now runs the Broncos. Well, well Patrick Waugh was a very sudden situation because of the outburst of the I under- game with, but, with but, the Red Wings. But when you found out about the trade, were you surprised? No. Not at all? No. No, because it, it, it was out in limbo there for a few days after his after his rant right. saying, I'll never play for the Montreal Canadiens again. Right. And the media in Montreal treating that as like he had desecrated. No, the, we knew that he'd be traded, but did you think he yes. was definitely coming Honestly, here? Honestly, yes. Did you break the story? Because there was considerable speculation among all the media in in Denver about impossibly coming to Denver because of Pierre's connection. But the bottom line is, as his former agent, did you break the story? Did you have inside sources? We had speculated that it was possible. Right. Of course you did. And I would have done the same thing. We're all about speculation in this business. But the point is, you couldn't get anybody on the record to say to you, off the record, this is going to happen. You could use it as background. Don't put my name on it. And that's how Pierre Lacroix ran The trade didn't come out of nowhere. Uh, uh, The one that came out of nowhere in the sense of of a, a kind of cap that you're talking about was the Rob Blake trade. There we was, go. It was on hold for maybe two, three weeks. I, I could be wrong about that. Nothing got out of that organization. Because Adam Dadmarsh, part of it was that Adm Dadmarsh's wife was pregnant. 
right. going through a very difficult pregnancy. Right. And they didn't think it would be right to trade Adam Deadmarsh right, right at that time. Coming up after the break, Altitude Comcast. The battle rages on, and it's going to go on a little bit longer than everybody thought. What in the hell is going on with this? That's next. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive, Goodman Fry, Mile High Sports Radio. Watch us at milehighsports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed, at tfry, at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, not retail, but wholesale. Go to rmfp.com. Time now for What's Trending. What's Trending. Presented by Silterhar Mazda. Get to Silterhar in Broomfield for a no-pressure buying experience at Silterhar Mazda. Or find them at sthmazda.com. Okay, every Monday on the show, we do the Rocky Mountain Forest product shout-out question to Ty Calcade and Evan from the Just Us Guys podcast. And here we go. The waiting game for a potential resolution between Altitude and Comcast has been extended. Mediation session in late February between the two parties, unsuccessful. So they agreed to meet again on June 2nd. Now mediation plans have been pushed to July 12th. You think this thing is going to get done? (laughs) I think it eventually will. The part that's just so befuzzling is Stan Kroenke should, could have just accepted whatever Comcast was going to offer. I have no sympathy for either side in the business sense. Right. Between a gazillion dollar company corporation yep. and, a, and a multi-multi-billionaire. I, I'm not going to take sides on that. But the idea that Stan Kroenke would not accept whatever the market was. I mean, the, the market is evolving. The... the rights and the regional sports network and the national sports network are in a period of transition. Right. Stan Kroenke should have been smart enough to figure out that three years ago, got whatever he could from Comcast and, and signed off on that as a means of promoting his team. Here's the thing about Stan Kroenke. Well, I can't claim to know him well, he strikes me as the type of guy, if he was a hostage negotiator, he'd say, shoot the hostage. And he has over the last couple of years. But I'll tell you what is so discouraging. And I think this will eventually get done. I don't think for the rest of time, you will see a better two-year run for the Nuggets and the Avalanche concurrently. With stars. That's, Marquini. That, that's my point. You will never see a guy win back-to-back MVPs and quite possibly a team winning a Stanley Cup concurrently. I don't think you will ever see that again. I don't think you've ever seen in any other sport in any other town that has basketball and hockey. I don't think that you will see it here, and that's what's the shame of it. Guys, what do you think? With that, once this is resolved, do you think there's going to be any backlash? from either Avs fans, Nuggets fans, or Rapids fans. No, I think memories are pretty short in that area. In this case, we all know, let's be adults about this, the, the uh, scrambling fans have found ways of watching the games. Right. And we, we could pretend to be immune to that kind of thing, but we all know it's happened. There's something 
there and there's a new way to get the games seemingly on the market or in the uh in the marketplace virtually every day your 12 year old niece and nephew knows how to do it i think it's it's almost become ludicrous and comical in that sense that you can get the game and it, there's nothing something uh positive about being able to get whichever broadcast feed you want the home or the visiting team right and not have the commercials am i breaking am i breaking news here people you're breaking know. huge news yes people don't know that right here's the other thing because Jokic is so stinking good and then you're going to probably get back Porter and Murray next year. And then you have the Avs challenging for a cup, and they'll probably challenge for a cup next year. People are going to really, really, really want to watch. If these teams were bad, I think I think they are in danger. They're finding ways to watch. I understand that. They are watching the games. But not, a, lot of, a lot of this is just saying it would be a little more convenient if I could get it on. But not everybody. But not. But not everybody is doing that. Not a hundred percent of the fans, and they're certainly not watching every single game like they no. might if it was easier. And that's why the Nuggets' ratings are its lowest point in fifteen years. Do you think, though, that we we sometimes don't give Cronkies enough credit for the other point? Is uh, I think of the markets with both NBA and NHL teams owned by the same person by the same corporation. There's four of them. They're they're probably the best one. They've had the most success so recently. Think, yeah, you. Yeah, I think you can give them credit for that. No question, no question. And I have no doubt that Stan Kroenke is going to spend well into the luxury tax and his and his hockey team right so now. So why is on wouldn't a roll. he take whatever Comcast would offer and just go, just swallow your pride, swallow your swallow your. Stan Kroenke is not a guy who's going to swallow his pride, as I said. Swallow Terry. his competitiveness. It's, nope. It just became a contest. He, it became a business contest. Right. And, it, the, and the fans it, the lost. Whole, the whole thing now is just ridiculous. It's I just agree. Ridiculous. But again, he's the guy in a hostage situation who will say, shoot the hostage, and that's why these games have been off Comcast for such a long time. Danny, what do we have coming up on Just In Case You Missed It? Some retired NFL players making news in the golf world. One might be preparing for the Senior Open. Another potentially qualifying for the U.S. Open. We'll tell you who they are right after the break here on Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry on Mile High Sports. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Fry, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Terry. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive, Goodman Fry, Mile High Sports Radio. If you want to watch us, milehighsports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed, at tfry, at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to RMFP. Dot com. Time now for the final word. The final word is presented by the McKenzie Law Firm. Don't wait before it's too late. Protect your family by setting up a will, living will, or estate plan with Dan McKenzie at themckenziefirm.com. Just in case you missed it. Presented by Mountain High Appliance, Colorado's favorite appliance store for 25 years in Louisville, Colorado Springs, and now open in their new store in Littleton. Go to mountainhighappliance.com. 
Just in case you missed it, former NFL running back Danny Woodhead has advanced past local qualifying for the U.S. Open. If he qualifies in the next round, he would be participating or eligible to participate in the U.S. Open with the pros. It's been a while since we've seen a multi-sport athlete like Deion Sanders and Bo Jackson, but do you think there's a possibility we one day see a pro athlete playing golf and another sport simultaneously? Sure, I think, I think it could be a hockey player. Right? Those are the best golfers among pro professional athletes. Generally speaking, but if I had to put my money on anybody, it would be Tony Romo. I think he's probably the best of all of the athletes out there. Okay. But he's retired. Oh No, I know. Simultaneously, I'm talking. Who's so they would be a two-sport athlete. So they would be playing another sport professionally and right. also playing golf professionally at the same time. Probably it'd have to be in their off-season, though, obviously. Right. It? Right. I, yeah, I could I could see a hockey player being able to wedge in a little bit in the offseason. Right. And the off let's say you're you didn't make it to the Stanley Cup playoffs, right? Yeah. Then you'd probably have all of June, all of July, all of August, and part of September before training camp starts. So yes, I think that'd be possible. Um I think it's possible, but I don't know how many tournaments some of these guys can play in. I mean, at the end of the day, if you want to, if you want to be a professional golfer, mm-hmm. you better be practicing quite a bit. <laughs> uh, I, I, not, I mean, if you're a scratch golfer, you're not making the tour. Scr- no. Scratch golfer doesn't cut it. You got to be consistently under par. There are more, there are more, more great golfers out there than we even give it credit for now. The, the pool of talent in golf is so deep. Right. So it, it, it would be hard for. A hockey player, a football player, or a baseball player to walk in in their offseason and compete with those kinds of golfers, obviously. But it'd have to be in the kind of tournament with qualifying in the way they do. They could be in the Monday Rabbits, maybe. Yeah. I mean, think about this for a second. If if the season essentially starts in January, let's say you're a hockey player, and you're playing three, four games a week, when are you going to find time to practice? When are you honestly going to find time to practice? You're not. I mean, you're going to have a full hockey practice. You're traveling all the time. I don't see how that's possible. Uh, I was thinking about it. Mike Madonna was a great golfer. Right. Joe Sackick's a really good golfer. Yeah, but but they're not they're not pro material. No. Mario Lemieux is a great golfer. Right. A lot of hockey players because a slap shot is similar to a, to a drive. Oh, you something. know who's really good locally? John Michael Lyles is a really good golfer. Oh, I know. Jam's a terrific golfer. Yeah. Just in case you missed it, Drew Brees on Twitter yesterday said, quote, despite speculation from media about my future this fall, I'm currently undecided. I may work for NBC. I may play football again. I may focus on business and philanthropy. I may train for the pickleball tour, the senior golf tour, coach my kids or all of the above. I'll let you know. End quote. You know, where do we where do we next see Drew Brees? Well, he he kind of joked about it there. Maybe you save some pride. It, it might end up a mutual decision for him to leave NBC. But the part that really baffles me, I I guess I I'm not aware of why did he flunk his trial as a broadcaster? I never got the impression that he was doing badly. Yeah, I have no idea if they. I didn't watch enough of him to say whether he was good or bad. I did watch enough of Joe Montana. Yeah. to tell you he was terrible. He's quiet. He's yeah. just a quiet, introverted personality. But right. that, that's not that's not Drew Brees. What do you think of Wayne Gretzky on TNT? I think he's doing pretty well. Yeah, you know, he's okay. Yeah, you know, it's so impactful to see on the screen 
you see him sitting there and you're going, my God, that's Wayne Gretzky. Right. I'm not sure there's... Michael Jordan might be the only other athlete of that type out there now. So if you look at it and you see him and you're saying, my God, that's Wayne Gretzky, I think that's that's so overweighs any nitpicking about what he's saying on there and what he's doing on there. He also is obviously the classic case of, I could do it, so why couldn't anybody else? You can tell on that set. He's impatient. Who is? Gretzky. Yeah, but I'm saying with the other guys, outside of the host. Deferring to him? There is, a, you get the feeling there is a sense of hero worship. Yes. Where they defer to him. What, what, what do you think, Wayne? What do you think, Wayne? It's a wise, wise decision to make. He's such, he's such an iconic figure in that sport. It's, you know, the, 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 the debate begins and ends. I know you can throw Bobby Orr in there too, every once in a while. You can't throw Bobby Orr in there with uh, Wayne Gretzky. But Wayne Gretzky was so much better than everybody else. It was just right. mind boggling. Well, when it comes to team sports, there's only one guy who is better, and that's Babe Ruth, and it's not close because Babe Ruth was Babe Ruth of, was a fat guy waddling around the bases and going out for a beer. Yeah, Babe Ruth was also one of the greatest pitchers of his generation and the greatest hitter of his generation. I will buy the explanation that within within the realm of his times and, and grouping in with his contemporaries and the sport at the time. He had Babe more Ruth home runs than good. all the teams combined, and he was a dominant pitcher in his era. He did everything. Dominant pitcher. He would routinely beat Walter Johnson a game games that you probably remember seeing in person. <laughs> in, in a segregated sport. That's fine. I understand that it was segregated. I'm with you on that. Listen, we talk about Jackie Robinson. I understand he broke the color barrier. It's not like he was a fantastic baseball player, was he? He was pretty damn good. He was pretty damn he good. He was also a great, great, great athlete. He even played no, basketball. No question. I, I understand Wade Gretzky's greatness, points, you know, if, if you took away all of his goals, I get all that. And that, that's understandable. <laughs> Babe Ruth was a dominant pitcher in his era. Dominant. Sub three ERA, close to like two, 2.3 all the time. And then would hit more home runs than all the other teams combined. Okay, I think we're talking apples and oranges here about eras. I understand the era. I totally understand the era. I could vote for Wayne Gretzky, but at the end of the day, Babe Ruth, great. No one comes close. He is the best. No, I disagree. Okay. Well, we'll continue this another time. That was uh, Mountain High Appliance. Just in case you missed it, you can walk in any store, try out the appliances before you buy them. Not to mention it's their sales staff that really makes them special. They have all the appliances that you would want. But when you make an investment like that, you're going to want to ask questions. You're going to want people that you're working with to give you the right answers because one thing isn't necessarily right for you. You walk into a big box store. The person selling you a refrigerator might be the same guy selling you a screen protector for your phone. That's not customer service. You're going to get it at Mountain High Appliance. You can find them in Louisville, Littleton. You can also find their clearance center in Denver. Coming up after the break, there is one guy on a national network who is bleeding orange and blue. He might be the biggest Broncos supporter out there. And wait to hear what he said next.